0: I like that we get to talk about these things and we hit it from a different angle, but because we love each other and because we have the same religious views, you know, church is the centerpiece of our lives. Worship is the centerpiece of our lives.
1: Molly Hemingway speaking at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference.
0: So when we are just going back and forth on politics, it's really not that important relative to the things that do matter. In all
2: seriousness, if you do not have someone in your life that you both completely trust and... Regularly engage in arguments with, you're doing it wrong.
1: You can watch and listen to journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway's QA and all of the presentations from the 2023 Making the Case Conference for a contribution of $300 by Labor Day. We'll send you links to download a podcast or watch a video stream. Order today at IssuesETC.org or by check. Make your check payable to Issues, etc., and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. I avoid using pronouns for transgender identifying persons, and I reject the new vocabulary because I've seen the suffering to which it leads.
0: I often compare Mormonism to like a a pressure cooker, but it's got no release valve. And they just keep turning up the heat, try harder, and keep improving, keep striving. The Holy Spirit doesn't use errors. He doesn't use false statements
1: and confidence in certain false statements might actually land you in hell
2: instead of in heaven our greatest problem is not suffering it's suffering and dying without christ
0: higher things attendees receiving free copies of objections overruled love issues etc
2: my brother is having
1: problems he's really acting out at home to the point where my mother is in tears what can i do to keep calm my siblings calm And help my mom without lashing out at my brother. I'm lost when it comes to this. That's one of the questions submitted from a child. Welcome back. We're coming to you live from the studios of Lutheran Public Radio in Collinsville, Illinois. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Pastor Jonathan Conner joins us for our series, Kids Have Questions. He is pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Manning, Iowa. Jonathan, welcome back. Thanks, Todd. It's good to be here. Before we get
2: started, when we say relationships, this is a big part of kids' lives, isn't it? Oh, it's it's huge. Both relationships with their parents and with their schoolmates, uh, classmates. So, I mean, this is, like you said, this is big. The first question, the child writes, me and my dad have
1: been fighting recently. He's been really uptight and strict with only me I didn't react as good and I need to apologize. This will probably happen again, unfortunately. So can you help me find the best way to apologize? Thank you.
2: That's a great question. And I wanna make a couple observations before I share my answer with the child. Just a reminder for the people who are listening, maybe if uh, you're new to the series, all these questions are questions that have been asked in my confirmation kids learning journals, which I share at the end of every class. And they're required to either ask one question or share one thing they learned, and then I take the time to respond to those things on the next day and put the answers in their learning journals. So, but what I want people to see is, I don't limit the kids on what they're allowed to ask. So it doesn't necessarily have to be about the thing we talked about in class. And and obviously you can see in this question, This wasn't a topic we discussed in class, but because this child knew, and I make this clear to all the kids, that this is a a safe means by which to ask their questions and i'm going to give them an honest truthful uh, loving answer and you can just see over time as you go through the year i watch the questions go from kind of general questions to certainly questions that they're they're very much struggling with i think we'll see that come out today in some of the questions you're going to hear and just for all listening Todd's just reading exactly the way the child wrote it. So no, maybe not the best grammar always, but just the way the child wrote it. I want you to hear these are real questions from real kids. Also very, very important in my answer for for listeners to know that I know the parents. So when I'm going to be answering their questions, that makes a big difference in this particular instance because these parents are faithful, Christ-confessing parents, okay? And if the situation was different for a child, I would tailor my answer specifically for that child. And I also need to say this, I probably should say it every week, but I'm a resource person and I can't help it. So as you listen, i'm probably going to have resources to shooting out of my mouth it just happens so uh, if you like resources and you find these things helpful it might be a good idea to have a pencil and paper nearby because i can just guarantee you i'm gonna say hey read this or check this out it's just what i do so nonetheless be prepared going in now let me share what i offered to the child and then we'll reflect upon it because i just think i was so touched by this child's question because this shows this child trusts the pastor and uh, they have a sincere question so here's what i offer thank you for your honesty and your sincere desire to honor your father the first thing i want you to remember is that your dad and your mom loves you they want the best for you so they want you to know your lord jesus to love and follow him your whole life. They want you to live out your confession of Jesus in your family and in your relationships. But I want to tell you something about being a parent. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to know how to love and discipline your child. Here's what I know about being a child, because believe it or not, I was once a child too. Sometimes it's hard to believe that your parents know more about life than you do. So the first thing I encourage you to do is to trust your parents. They love you and they know more about life than you do. Second, rehearse this truth often. Now, I'm going to pause for a second for listeners. The truth I'm getting ready to share, I'm going to encourage you to memorize this. This one's not hard to do, but I'm going to encourage you to memorize it because it will serve all of us well in life. So back to my response. Rehearse this truth often. My response is my responsibility. So maybe your dad was uptight and or strict. That doesn't change anything about how you should respond. So if you said or did or thought things that were wrong, if you dishonored your father, you need to own it. Now, let me go a little deeper for a moment so you understand what's happening. So maybe it doesn't have to happen again. Remember this, what you think or believe To be true affects what you feel, affects what you do. So my guess is you reacted emotionally to your father. You were angry or frustrated or or whatever. That's the emotion. And that emotion probably drove you to say or do wrong things. You need to get back to the thought. What were you thinking? What were you believing to be true? in your question you said your dad was strict and uptight for the sake of argument let's assume that's true does that make it okay for you to react emotionally as you did i wasn't there but i'm guessing the answer is no here's my point make sure you're engaging with what you are thinking what you are believing to be true then stay level-headed If you think your dad is too strict or uptight, calmly visit with him about this. Your dad is a reasonable person. He will listen. But remember, you may not know the whole story, so be prepared to have your beliefs corrected. But don't let your emotions drive you. Let truth drive you. Now about asking your dad to forgive you. This is very important. You need to do this. In fact, this is a lot like what we do in church when we confess our sins to God and he forgives our sins through the called pastor. So ask your dad if you can speak to him alone and then simply own up to what you said or did or thought. Just come right out and say, Dad, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And here's the thing. I know your dad will forgive you. And I also know that it will make your relationship stronger. Yes, it can be a hard thing to do, but that's because you're focusing on your feelings. Focus on the truth and align your actions with the truth. And your feelings may have to be dragged along. They will eventually get in line, but you have to lead them. And thank you for asking your very, very important question. Okay, so that's where the answer to the child ends. Obviously that's a longer answer, but I think the question warranted it because this is a very sincere question for the child, something that they're obviously struggling with and they need guidance. And I feel like it merited a little bit longer of an answer. But just to reflect a little bit more on this, this is one of the hardest things, I think for all of us in life, whether you're a child or you're a parent or a single person, whatever, we need to acknowledge what we don't know, or just that that we don't know. We need to acknowledge our limitedness, our ignorance. And I'll simply throw this out there, and this is true for adults and for kids, but social media has made this much harder, right? Because social media, I mean, everybody's claiming to be an expert now. No one's thinking in nuance. We got a, we got a culture of disrespect, of arrogance, of pride. And none of this helps us respect one another. None of it helps children keep the fourth commandment, none of it. So parents, grandparents, as much as you can, and I know what I'm gonna say, for some may be a little bit difficult to do, but it it needs to happen. As much as you can, get social media and gaming out of your home. I mean, there's, there's just scads of data on this. It's not just how social media and gaming are affecting mental health, right? The evidence is there. As usage goes up, every measure of emotional and mental well-being goes down. Every measure. But here's the thing. Parents, social media is undermining you left and right. I mean, it's like dumping a bucket of termites outside your house every day and then thinking, "Ah, they. Psh, I'm sure it'll be fine. They won't mess with my house. Look, it's going to happen your neighbor would think you were crazy if you did this every day and then you told your neighbor well everything's fine so far so my thing is stop dumping the termites. So for resources on this, let me throw a couple of things out there for you. This is really important. There's a great website called screenstrong.com. They've got a podcast. They've got a website. They've got they've got resources. They've got te- 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 teachings on this. So really good stuff. I've recommended Screen Strong. I've got articles on my church's website, and I'm actually doing a webinar here in another few weeks, September 13th at one o'clock in the afternoon, and it will be recorded so you can watch it later. This is with Lutheran Family Service, and I think it's gonna be in the show notes if you want to check that out, but LutheranFamilyService.org backslash fall webinar. I go into great detail on this whole thing. So this is really important. But for now, here's what parents, here's what you got to know. There is no easy button. There's simply no easy button with parenting. My wife and I like to say, we were great parents until we had kids. And then we realized how much we had to learn. And there's a great book I would recommend by Leonard Sachs. In fact, pretty much every book by Leonard Sachs, S-A-X, is worth reading. It's called The Collapse of Parenting. He really gets after what is the purpose of parenting. And I'll to make it easy. You're aiming after the good, the right, and the true, and the beautiful with your children. That's what you're aiming after. And his book will help you do that. But I want to go back to something I said to the child. And uh, I actually picked this up from uh, Emerson Eggerich, and he writes a series of books on love and respect. It's for marriage. But that phrase, my response is my responsibility okay i said we should memorize that i think that phrase is horrible and wonderful it's a horrible wonderful thing because those words they echo in my head all the time and like i said i love and hate them they're horrible and wonderful because here's the thing we typically get fixated on the thing that upsets us okay and the things that are that are hurtful to us and there's no way to deny these things are real, that's not what I'm saying, but here's what's happening. We're letting those emotions, cause that's what that is, that's an emotion. We're letting it fuel our anger and our emotionally driven response. That's what happened with the child. That's what the child did. The emotions were fueling the response. So in this case, the child thought that the dad was uptight. And maybe dad was, look, I'm a dad, I get uptight sometimes, I get this. So let's just grant that he was uptight but here's the thing for the child and for the parent for everyone listening my response is my responsibility it doesn't change now i have a lot to say about how we discern what the appropriate response is but the key for now is to get the truth that we are responsible for our response into our heads we have to stop the blame game adam and eve tried it and just want to ask you how'd that go for them not so great so we need to drop the blame game and understand my response is my responsibility but I got a couple more things that I think are really important when we start talking about these things. One, okay, I mentioned what we believe to be true affects how we feel and that affects what we do. We've talked about that before, but this is huge. Because if you take this home with you, nothing else from our podcast today, it's believe, feel, do. So what I encourage the child to do was to get back to the level of beliefs, okay? What are we believing to be true? Is it true? If not, we need to get back to the truth. Feelings are built on our beliefs about truth and then actions follow. Then if we do believe the truth, then we need to ask, in other words, if what we're believing is true, if her dad was uptight, then are we measuring our emotional response correctly? So imagine a scale like one to 10, all right? I do this with my kids all the time. I do this with myself all the time, right? So one is like somebody burps next to you, Like I have six kids. There's always someone doing something offensive next to another kid, okay? So one is somebody burps next to you, 10 is murder. Where does the thing fall that is bothering you? Where is it? Now, I always tell my kids, remember five is halfway to murder. So if you're responding at an eight because your dad is uptight, because your sister rolled her eyes at you or your brother burped on you you are out of line i got a lot more to say on this but my point for now is just use the scale it's very helpful for appropriately gauging our response and then the last point i mentioned to the child ask for forgiveness if we sin and parents look i'm a parent I have to acknowledge this. Todd, I'm sure you've had to acknowledge this with your kids before. Sometimes we do lose our cool and sometimes we sin. We need not only to own it, but we need to confess it to our kids and kids to their parents because sin wounds people. It's like this knife jab. We can't just come back later and pretend like nothing happened because the person we jabbed, they're still bleeding. And if you do that sort of pattern for years, the relationship is going to suffer. I've got a lot to say about this, but for now, a simple point is this. Ask for forgiveness. And I'll
1: stop there with this one. Pastor Jonathan Connor is our guest. It's part five of our series, Kids Have Questions. Today we're talking about relationships, and we'll come back to another relationship, family relationship, involving a brother who is acting up and a mother who is in tears Next. How do the global flood, circumcision, and the Israelites wandering in the wilderness foreshadow the baptismal flood in Christ? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for August, The Baptismal River, Studying the Sacrament Throughout Scripture. This new Bible study is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040. Or find out more about The Baptismal River at IssuesETC.org, The Baptismal River,
0: Studying the Sacrament Throughout Scripture. I'm Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org worship. You'll find resources on the church here, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org slash worship. May the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Real Reformation Radio. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. It's commonly said that heresies are 90% truth and only 10% wrong, but it's the 10% that subverts all of Christian doctrine and all of Christian teaching by the essential errors that they promote. Well, if you're wondering about heresies, both ancient and modern, you should pick up a copy of the August issue of The Lutheran Witness, where we talk about these heresies, their ancient roots, and how to mark and avoid them. Visit cph.org witness to
1: subscribe, or learn more at our website, witness.lsms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Agnes Day symbol, the Lamb of God symbol, goes back millennia in the Christian church. Often you will see a lamb seated on a sealed book, seven seals hanging from that book, and the lamb is holding a flag that bears the cross. It is, of course, an ancient symbol of Jesus himself. Ad Crusum has one of their own 3D carved Ad Crusum Agnes Day's. It is carved beautifully from black cherry wood. It has a protective oil finish. It comes in a number of sizes. You can see what I'm talking about at adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. We're talking about relationships in part five of our series, Kids Have Questions. Pastor Jonathan Connor is our guest. The next question, because my brother is having problems He is really acting up at home to the point where my mother was in tears what can i do to keep calm my siblings calm and help my mom without lashing out at my brother i'm lost
2: when it comes to this okay to hear the realness of the question right i mean this is the sort of thing that building a culture of questions is going to produce and it's going to take a little bit of time to offer an answer to a child who asks what is obviously a very sincere question and parents who are listening you know as well as i do that these sort of episodes they flare up during the week nobody likes to talk about it in the open because we all want to show up in church on sunday and act like we got our lives together but we all know better we do so all of us have these episodes that blow up so i'm hoping when you hear this child's question that you can say we've been in something similar to that before But again, like I mentioned before with the first question, the same thing applies. I know this family. I know what the, and I know the situation the child is talking about. And that's going to play into my answer. And if I didn't know the story, well, then my answer would have to be different. It would first try to learn the story. So I want to make this point because if you don't know that, we may sometimes jump into answering before we settle into listening. So listening first, then speaking. So all the listening has happened before the question has been asked because I know the family. Maybe just take you know, Proverbs 18, right? If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. So first thing for everyone, when we're thinking about how would I answer one of these questions, make sure we've listened first. We know what's going on in the family and then we can answer the question. So here's what I say to the child. Thank you for your question. And thank you for caring about this. First, it's important to understand that tears are normal. All families have struggles and moms often cry. I'm not saying this isn't something to be concerned about. I'm saying it's something almost all families experience. Second, I appreciate your desire to help. That's good. I'm going to make suggestions. But the first thing you need need to understand here is that you are not in charge sometimes we get so upset because of what a sibling does that we think we have to help make things right but you are not the parent god has not given this responsibility to you that doesn't mean there's nothing you can do it means you are not in charge so what you can do is make sure you are honoring your father and your mother Further, show kindness and patience toward your siblings. Yes, even your brother who is having problems. Do not yell, do not punish, do not insult. Yes, your brother may be acting up and doing something wrong, but if you respond by lashing out or saying something snippy or mean, you will only add to the problem. The only person you are in charge of and have control over is you. So this is the person you need to focus on. Now, there's another piece here. Bring Jesus into the situation. Jesus died for your brother. Jesus rose for your brother. Jesus loves your brother. No, Jesus does not approve of his behavior, but Jesus died to forgive his sinful behavior. So when you look at your brother, imagine Jesus standing next to him. Remember that he stands next to you too. That will help you show compassion toward your brother. Further, it will set a positive example for your siblings and be a source of great joy to your parents. I also want you to be aware of something about yourself. You have a very well-formed conscience. So you have a strong sense of right and wrong. That's good. It will serve you well in life. It will keep you out of so much of the mess so many people get themselves into. But you need to be careful that your righteous confidence doesn't turn into unrighteous and unloving condemnation. In other words, don't let your confidence that you are right lead you to do something wrong, like speaking down to your brother or another sibling or tearing him down as a person. Instead of unkindly telling your brother that he's wrong, show your brother how to live rightly. Be a positive and loving example for him. Be quick to forgive him and ready to compliment any good that he does. Build on the good. Don't fixate on the bad you will get more of what you focus on and feel free to ask more questions. Okay, again, a longer answer, but you can see that this is a deeply emotional question from this child. This is a typical thing, it's not atypical at all. So families listening, you've had these episodes where either someone ends up yelling or somebody's in tears or someone's on the other side of the house because they're mad, someone isn't talking to somebody you know these episodes and these are never fun in a family sometimes they can go on for hours sometimes for days so you can appreciate the realness and the rawness of the question of the child so i want to make sure i engage the child i welcome the questions but also that i issue some of the challenges that i know this particular child needs so i also want to observe And those of you who are parents perhaps you already know this but it's a very common thing for children to see the bad in their siblings it's actually also easy for adults to get fixated on the negative i know it's something i struggle with i've been in those ruts before where all i can fixate on is the negative but here's what we need to remember like i mentioned with the child we get more of what we focus on so and this this is hard We really have to look hard to find the things to celebrate. So when you find them, even if it's the smallest thing, celebrate it. This is very important in parenting. And my wife is so good at this. And she reminds me of this. and helps me do a better job of this. She's really good at that. But pastors who are listening, this is actually really important in pastoring too. See the good, even the smallest good that's happening in your congregation and celebrate it and you'll get more of it. It's also very common for children eagerly to apply the rules to their siblings. So what's happening here is that they are claiming an authority that hasn't been given to them. I mean, they may be rightly parroting the rules, but what they're doing, the mistake they're making is they're claiming an authority to enforce them that isn't theirs, right? Because authority, this is important, authority is given power is claimed and taken and if we get those mixed up whether it's in a family or whether it's in the church it causes all kinds of chaos and destruction all kinds of heartache so again the child is wrongly trying to enforce the rules on their siblings and that's only exacerbating the problem So, you know, maybe a simple way of putting this is we need to learn to stay in our lane. Our vocationally speaking, we have certain lanes that are given to us in our vocations. And one of the hardest things maybe to do is learn to stay in our lane. And the other thing that's really, really important to do. So I mentioned this in my answer to the child, bring Jesus in. So I mentioned to the child, and I say this a lot when I visit with people, visualize him standing next to, or even in front of your sibling or your spouse or whoever. The person you're struggling with okay put jesus either in front of them or right next to them and here's what i want to ask you if you need to push jesus out of the way so that you can say whatever it is you want to say to them then you're probably out of line so i mean if you basically have to effectively say jesus look can you just cover your ears for a minute because i need to say something to my brother or if you need to say jesus if just for the next 10 minutes close your eyes all right and then in 10 minutes you can open up again and it will be fine. If you have to do that, then you've probably discovered a problem. So put Jesus there, whether he's directly in front of your siblings so that when you can't see anybody but Jesus or put him right next to them, whichever way is easier for you to visualize. If you have to push him out of the way to lay into your sibling or your spouse or whoever, you've discovered the problem. Then you need to ask yourself, did Jesus die for this person I'm struggling with? And here's the key question, did Jesus suffer enough for him or am I by my words and by my actions saying, Jesus didn't suffer enough for you, I'm going to make you suffer for your sin. So that's what I mean by bringing Jesus into this. When you put Jesus in the center of this, we're able to see how serious what we're doing is when we are claiming an authority that's not ours when we are speaking down to or disrespecting or essentially saying jesus cover your ears or cover your eyes when we have to push jesus out of the scene so that we can bring justice ourselves, then we are saying sorry jesus you didn't do enough for this person I'm gonna make them suffer like they deserve. And it's at root, and this is why it should get all of our attention, it's at root a denial of the work of Jesus Christ, which is what makes it so significant and so serious of an issue, and why we as a people, as a church, as families, we need to be very focused on this to bring Jesus into these situations and his forgiveness into these situations so we don't have these sort of lash out episodes that unfortunately happen with such common occurrence.
1: Pastor Jonathan Connor is our guest, pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Manning, Iowa. Part five of our series, Kids Have Questions. We're talking about relationships. There are a lot of girls in my class who say, oh, my effing God, every day in their language. We'll get to that question next. The free online Issues Etc. Journal. Just click the red Journal Subscription button at issuesetc.org.
0: Risen Savior Lutheran Church, Baser, Kansas, located just right outside the northwest corner of the metro Kansas City area. We have a growing congregation of people who come from over 13 different communities to see what God is doing here, who desire to only believe, teach, confess, and practice as the church always has. Risen Savior, Baser, Kansas. Check out our website, risensaviorlcms.org. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Sanctifying your exercise routine with the Word of God. You're listening to Issues Etc. Is it hard? Yes. Will it challenge you? Absolutely. Is it a blessing from God for you and those you will serve without question?
1: Dr. Lawrence Rast, President of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana.
0: The pastoral ministry is all of these things, and that's why Concordia Theological Seminary exists, to form servants in Jesus Christ who teach the faithful, reach the lost, and care for all. Men from all over the world with a variety of unique backgrounds come to our campus to receive faithful training that will equip them for the challenging but blessed work of serving as pastors in Christ's church.
1: Learn more about studying for the vocation of pastor at ctsfw.edu or call 1-800-481-2155. Christ-Centered Worship, Confessional Theology, Lutheran Community, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're taking some questions on relationships in our series, Kids Have Questions. Pastor Jonathan Connor is our guest. Here's another one, Jonathan. A lot of girls in my class say, Oh my effing God, as everyday language,
2: how can I help and why do you think they are saying this? Yeah. Again, I, I hope for our listeners, you're, you're hearing the questions these kids are asking. First, before I offer my answer, I want your heart just to feel what this is a seventh grader, this is seventh graders. This is what she's hearing every day at school. It breaks my heart, first of all, for this little girl, but for the the kids who are saying this, my heart also breaks for them because as you'll see in my answer, there's a a certain hole in their heart, something that they're missing in a certain frailty in their identity that is producing this. But I, I want all of us to realize if your kids are at school and most of us have kids at school if you if you're a parent this is not a, an uncommon occurrence they are hearing this so are you talking to your kid about what to say what to do helping them process what to do when you hear these words or how do you respond so you know when you hear this little girl's question maybe think of your child or your grandchild and maybe sit down and have a conversation because I can just about assure you They're hearing this at school and probably even younger than seventh grade. But here's what I offer to the child first. My heart grieves for these girls because it reflects a very deep insecurity. People often use bad language to make themselves feel big. So they feel small and powerless on the inside and are using words they shouldn't use that when they use these words, they shouldn't use. It makes them feel big and powerful. At heart, it reflects that they don't understand what God has done for them in Jesus. Consider Paul's words in Colossians. This is from Colossians 3. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in god paul is saying that we have died with jesus in baptism and have been invited to share in his new life therefore we need to put to death all the sinful things of earth and fix our minds on the things of god then he says that in baptism that's what he means by you have died with jesus our lives are hidden with christ in god in other words we are very important to god So we don't have to try to make ourselves feel big and important. Helping kids who speak this way is hard, but one thing you can do is resolve never, ever, ever to speak like that. You are God's child. The Bible says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear, from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Then, if the right opportunity arises, you can ask why they use the words they do. And you can encourage them by telling them that they don't have to use those words to be important. They can find their identity in Jesus. He thinks they're important enough to die for. Okay, so that's where my answer to the child ends. But I want you to notice in my answer, and for parents, this is important don't just jump in with those girls are sinning of course they are but that answer here's what the potential that answer could have right has the potential to produce an arrogant self-righteousness in the child who asked the question because now the child is armed with this weapon that says those girls are sinning and that's not what we're aiming after here I want the child to see how the crude language grows out of a weak and small an unstable identity because these kids and i'll say it goes for adults as well but they feel insecure and small and they're using what they think are tough sounding words words that they think that only adults are supposed to use those words now ironically Adults are not supposed to use those words. And adults are doing the very same thing, trying to make themselves look big and important and in control, that they're not afraid to use bad words to express themselves. It's certainly not something adults should be doing, but that's why kids are doing it because they perceive that those are adult words. So, adults, I should say to us, get those words out of our minds. They've got to go away, throw them away, and never bring them back into your house. Also, this sort of language, it reflects both an ignorance and a rejection of our baptismal identity. Notice like in my last answer and this answer, I'm doing this very intentionally. I am bringing Jesus in. I'm bringing our baptism into this question because here's the thing. I don't think it's helpful just to start with that's wrong, that's bad. Of course it is, but but why? Why is it bad? So I often call this like an identity driven ethics. Okay, so I want people to appreciate who they are in christ so if our lives are hidden with christ in god so if we are baptized into christ if we're inheritors of the kingdom we're co-heirs we're co-regions with christ then do we really need to make ourselves look tough and big and important right i mean god's already given us his approval or the way paul puts it right in romans 8 right if god is for us Who can be against us? If he's given us his son, what is he going to keep from us? Paul's answer is nothing. So let me give you an example of kind of how to process this. So years ago, I I was visiting with one of our older ladies. My children, this is great. They like to refer to some of our older members as elderly friends in Christ. So they call them EFCs, elderly friends in Christ. So this is one of our elderly friends in Christ. And I was visiting her. She's now with Jesus. And I was sharing, I think probably something from Romans chapter eight. And just talking, because Romans eight, is a fantastic chapter of scripture. There was so much meat to chew on there. And I had shared the word and given a brief reflection on it. She listened to it. And as I was done, the typical liturgical response after this is the word of the Lord is thanks be to God. But her response was this. She says, you can put that in your pipe and smoke it. And I thought that's a great liturgical response. She got it, like that. that's something you could take home and that you could keep that with you. So if God is for us, who can be against us? If he gave us his son, is he gonna keep anything from us? No, right? So this is that identity driven ethics. It's not simply a matter of do this, don't do this. It's a matter of who are you? Another example, this is from a member of my congregation. She came up with this and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And parents, you can use this one. You've all seen t-shirts with the kids last name on the back so we'd have connor on the the back of our family t-shirt for instance well okay you've got that idea that that associates that child with a particular family now put christ's name on the front and so this parent tells their child often remember when you leave this home you have the family name on the back of your shirt you've got jesus name on the front of your shirt and i often tell people members of our congregation and you've got zion's name on the sleeve so this is who you are. Now, once we know who we are, it affects the way we speak, the way we live, so that we now start to use words that don't tear down, but that build up. Like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, that our words may give grace to those who hear, or as Luther will put in the eighth commandment explanation, to explain everything in the kindest way. So once we know who we are, we start to see how our words reflect our identity. Now, will things immediately change? Maybe not. And will these girls who are using this language change right away? Maybe not. Could they turn their ire toward our children? They could. Why? Because evil doesn't like being in the presence of good. Evil likes to corrupt and tear down but here's what i want you to notice so i don't want us telling our kids if you do this like all these kids will now stop using this language if you just do these things no no it's not my point my point is though they will notice and it will do something in their soul it will and whether it pricks a nerve so that their conscience is pricked or whether it hardens them it will work on them so our call if you will is honor Christ or confess Christ in word and deed, and then let Jesus work on people's souls.
1: You're connected to issues, et cetera. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're discussing relationships in our series with Pastor Jonathan Connor, Kids Have Questions. Folks who have active duty military members in your congregation, enroll them in ministry by mail. LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces will send servicemen and women in your church spiritual resources including portals of prayer. Learn more at lcms.org armedforces armed forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. On the other side, one child says there are many girls in my class who dislike me and talk about me behind my back. How can I handle that situation?
0: The fundamental question that these parables ask is this, is it possible for someone who has fallen away from the faith, a baptized child, to be brought to repentance? And the answer is yes, a thousand times yes. It has to be yes, or I'm damned, and so are
1: you. Pastor Peter Bender speaking at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference.
0: But if we, as earthly parents, love our children in spite of the fact that they rebel and maybe wander from home, how much more does the Father's love for us in Christ Jesus never cease? That is the birthright that you and I have been given in our baptism. That is our consolation.
1: You can watch and listen to Pastor Peter Bender's teaching, Making the Case for a Dying Man's Consolation, and all of the presentations from this year's conference for a contribution of $300. It's available via on-demand video stream or podcast. Learn more
0: at issuesetc.org. Your lifeline to the Lutheran worldview. You're listening to Issues Etc. Christological. My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical.
2: I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived
0: by Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins. To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church we
1: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's part five of our series, Kids Have Questions or Talk About Relationships. Pastor Jonathan Connery is our guest, pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Manning, Iowa. Here's another one. There are many girls in my class who dislike me and talk about me behind my back. How do I handle that situation?
2: Yeah, so again, you're hearing another question. This is very similar. You know, we obviously lump these together in, in like a topic heading, but I get these questions a lot. And parents and grandparents, if you have kids in school This is happening on a daily basis. This is not just a theoretical. This is a lived experience for our kids in school. So I hope you're having these conversations with your kids and that you also are thinking through how you're going to offer an answer to them if they bring these questions to you because I know they're struggling with these things. But here's what I say to the child. That is such a great question and I'm so sorry you have to endure this. But let's think through it. First, kids often do this because they have a deep insecurity. So in order to make themselves feel more important, they tear somebody else down. So they need you to pray for them. They don't have a secure sense of their identity in Jesus. If they knew how loved they were by God if they knew the inheritance of his kingdom that was theirs in Jesus, if they knew that God saw them as his beautiful creations, they wouldn't feel the need to tear somebody else down. So for you, two things are very important. One, take joy in your secure identity in Jesus. You are loved. You are treasured. You Are forgiven. You are a child of the living God. You are an inheritor of his kingdom, and nobody's opinion or mean words is going to change that. So while such comments hurt, they don't diminish your esteemed identity in Jesus. And number two, pray for these girls. There is no joy in tearing other people down. Pray for them to gain an understanding of God's love for them in Jesus, a love that has the power to free them from bitterness and negativity, a love that has the power to help them see other people as image bearers of God who deserve to be shown love and kindness. So that's where my answer ends. And let me reflect upon this briefly. I often visit with parents and middle school students, high schoolers, people right in the thick of this. And I say this tongue in cheek, but I'll tell you, it's, there's some truth in it. Middle school, it's about as close to hell on earth as you can get. This is a big struggle. This is their question. Who am I? And look, everybody in middle school is a threat. Because they're prettier, they're smarter, they're stronger, they're faster, they're more popular, right? They have nicer things. They have the right last name. Especially if you're in a small town, you know the struggle with this. If you got the right last name, it makes a big difference. And the list can go on and on and on. There's always something that somebody else has that's better and it leaves children in a very insecure place and i also want to add this to go back to the book i mentioned a while back by leonard sachs the collapse of parenting he does a great job of pointing this out so i would highly recommend that book but this is especially true that just this frailty in identity is true because we've turned so much of identity over to peers so peer-to-peer relationship and away from family to child relationship. That's may not seem like a big deal, but but it is. And I'll tell you why, because these relationships, these peer-to-peer relationships in school, these are inherently fragile relationships. They may not be there tomorrow. Now, I'm not saying peer relationships aren't good. They are good, but they should come after the family child relationship this is so so critical to prioritize the parent child relationship before the peer peer relationship because that parent child relationship is a more stable assured relationship than the child is going to get in the peer peer relationship and let me add this parents i'll say this about as directly as i can take your children to church. Take your kids to church because they need to hear what God says about them. This is so, so critical. So I, I'm gonna show you what I mean by this, but this is so important and I, that I've got a brief story I wanna share because I think it'll make my point. I'm gonna pull out just a few highlights from Ephesians chapter one. Okay, I want you to listen and tell me if you think this might be helpful for the middle schooler in your life or the high schooler or even yourself to hear these words. This is just Ephesians chapter one. I'm just gonna summarize. God has blessed you in Christ. He has chosen you in Christ. He has predestined you through Christ. He has redeemed you in Christ. He forgives you in Christ. He lavishes the riches of his grace on you in Christ. He gives you an everlasting inheritance in Christ. He has sealed you with the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ. And he did all this, all this, Paul says, so that you can know the hope to which he has called you in Christ. And he says, to the riches of your inheritance in Christ and the immeasurable greatness of his power in Christ. Parents, don't you want them to hear that? So take them to church. Just in case I'm not clear, parents, take your children to church, take them to a church that is firmly committed to God's word and with an entire liturgy that is designed to present Christ to us. Now, if you need to find one, I happen to know an entire church body founded on this. And I'll tell you this because i have return to my first point with the middle schoolers. And I should say the church body dedicated this, if I may just be a little bit direct. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is known worldwide for its fidelity to scripture and its commitment to Christ. I would highly encourage a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod congregation. And guess what? Issues Etc. has a whole page dedicated to some excellent churches in this church body. And so does the church homepage. Get your kids to church. This is such an important thing because going back to what I said to that child, that Middle school, in many ways, is about as close to hell on earth as you can get. Well, I want you to remember this, parents. I want your kids to remember this, that the gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. Take your children to church.
1: Pastor Jonathan Connor is pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Manning, Iowa. You'll find a link to Pastor Connor's September 13th webinar, Your Life on Screens, Understanding the Seen and Unseen and What You Must Do About It on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Jonathan, thank you. Hey, thanks a lot, Todd. Issues Etc. has been brought to you in part this week by Luther Academy, a worldwide mission outreach. Luther Academy produces numerous publications, including the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatic Series. Check out the latest in this series, Theological Anthropology and Sin, by Dr. Detlef Schultz at lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com. Next week on Issues Etc., we'll talk with Pastor Jeff Hemmer about the false masculinity of Andrew Tate. We'll discuss From Calvinism to Lutheranism with Christian rapper Flame. And we'll have Pastors Brian Wolfmiller and Brian Ketchelmeyer respond to your unanswered Bible questions. I'm Todd Wilkin. Go to church on Sunday. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc.
0: is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.